0: welcome to exploring hydrogen here we will learn about all the exciting advancements opportunities and challenges of this nascent energy sector we delve into how hydrogen can contribute to the decarbonisation of australia and the world and investigate what it's going to take for adoption and into transportation industry and society i'm andy marsland welcome to our energizing journey Welcome to episode 15 of the Exploring Hydrogen podcast. Throughout the series, we've attempted to provide you with a cross-section of the hydrogen value chain from startups, new technology, hydrogen storage, gas blending, mega projects, transportation and research. This episode is no different. We're going to be geeking out about hydrogen trains. Deutsche Bahn currently has the largest fleet of hydrogen trains in the world. And I'm thrilled to welcome two of their experts, on low and zero emission technologies Troy Shorley Technical Director and Daniel Kooning Principal Consultant and Subject Matter Expert Troy is an electrical engineer with over 20 years experience in electricity transmission, rail and engineering consultancy. Daniel is a subject matter expert for railway systems and low and zero emission technologies. He has 21 years experience in the railway sector and over 10 years focused on innovative railway technologies and digitization. A very warm welcome, guys, and perhaps you can start by explaining to the listeners who is Deutsche Bahn as a group and uh, perhaps then focusing on uh, Deutsche Bahn engineering
1: and consultants that you both work for. Sure, so Deutsche Bahn engineering and consulting is part of the uh, Deutsche Bahn group in Germany, so the owner and operator of the rail network in Germany. So Deutsche Bahn Group employs three hundred and twenty thousand people worldwide, and within that sort of Deutsche Bahn Engineering and Consulting and Operations employs about five thousand people working in approximately eighty countries.
0: So yeah, I understand that you're the uh, the largest infrastructure operator in, in Europe. Perhaps just digging into those uh, details a bit more, as I understand it, thirty three thousand kilometres of network. You've got the freight transportation, the Deutsche Bahn Group transitions about 4.87 billion passengers a year, a huge organisation and particularly within the engineering consulting group. As I understand it, you guys are focused or you've got customers in about 84
1: nations worldwide. Yeah, that's correct. So we're providing railway engineering, railway consulting operations services to railway operators in these countries and as well as being involved in the operations, maintenance, and technology implementations in the German railway network, so which is where the majority of our knowledge and experience is, is born from. And then we take those learnings and share those with international clients.
0: Fantastic. And uh, perhaps o- over to you, Daniel. Um, yeah, what is the opportunity or use case for hydrogen trains?
2: Introducing hydrogen technology to trains would significantly contribute to decarbonize the transport sector. Hydrogen propulsion, in my opinion, can bridge non-electrified gaps in in our network where battery systems would be insufficient and where overhead catenary electrification um, can't be justified because the line frequency is not high enough.
0: Yeah, and we were talking just before the uh, recording of this episode just your passion in the sector and, and what these advancements can contribute to the decarbonization of the world. So just to share with a listener, so uh, Daniel works a, an Australian day and then logs in in the evening. So his uh, day often finishes sort of midnight, one o'clock in the morning, supporting what the guys are over in Germany are doing. Exactly.
2: Uh, yeah, we have quite a few projects. We can dive into some of these projects later on. Uh, since um, decarbonization in Europe and in particular in Germany is very important. So lots of um, exciting projects are currently ongoing there and um, then we have also um, our colleagues over in the United States. California is also very much pushing for hydrogen trains and sometimes you also support um, our guys there. So I also get up very early in the morning to catch up with our team in the United States. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Don't know how you find time for it all. So talking about the, the opportunity for DB, as I understand it, there's, you've got about 3,000 diesel vehicles. If we can break that down, what percentage of the railway network in Germany is electrified? And then out of that, when are you going to be using potential for battery or hydrogen fuel cells? And perhaps you can talk about the combustion options as well, using hydrogen or hydrogen derivatives. Certainly. So our
2: network currently is electrified to roughly 65%. There's still a few stretches where we can justify further electrification. However, to achieve 100% electrification will never be viable due to some of the lines are very rural and serving areas that are not densely populated. So the cost of the electrification will be just too high. So that's therefore, we want to decarbonize um, these services. Uh, we definitely need alternative propulsion systems. In general, we believe that rail transport is... Uh, already very if not the most sustainable mode of transportation when we look at our fleet uh, in general most of the fleet is already electric however as you mentioned we still have around about three thousand diesel rolling stock uh, in our fleet and yeah these we need to decarbonize as quickly as possible but as, as i said in general the railway sector is a very sustainable mode of transportation when we compare that for example, to the road traffic, when you look at the global emissions, road traffic causes about 12% um, of global emissions, aviation about two, shipping is about 1.7%, and the rail is only four point four percent So that's already...
1: Yeah, uh, so comparatively it's 30 times more emission intensive than uh, than what rail transport is for roads. So, and, and I suppose the displacement of aviations with high-speed rail links as well will sort of further add to the decarbonisation of the transport sector. So doing a, a modal split between aviation and high-speed rail, so, which is probably one of the opportunities that Australia has in front of it at the moment. And one of the strategies in Germany to reduce the overall decarbonisation of transport is to replace short-haul flights with high-speed rail intercity express services. Yeah, fantastic. And
0: any stats around the uh, the speed of those? Are we talking like the Japanese bullet train kind uh,
1: of? For, for Germany, sort of the operating speeds on dedicated routes is 300 to 350. Yeah, but
2: now. between 250 and 350. But yeah, Germany is not that big, so compared to Australia, what is considered a long route is probably here in, in Australia just an intermediate route so as Troy said opportunities are here and if we can also find solutions to decarbonize high-speed rail and to avoid stretches of costly electrification by finding solutions in the battery or hydrogen space that'd be fantastic but yeah you're also asking about the different technologies and where they can be best um, deployed so in my opinion still the best option for highly frequented railway corridors is full electrification since the overall system efficiency is roughly 85 to 90% and you can't beat that. However, when you can't justify full electrification and you, you find like four shorter routes, currently up to 100 kilometers, that are non-electrified, then battery electric traction is a good alternative. You can recover braking energy and also have a high system efficiency. When the stretches are getting a little bit longer, battery technology currently can't cope with that, and also when the power demand is a little bit bigger, for, especially for freight transport, then hydrogen is a very interesting alternative. The fuel cell system can provide the range, and combined with a battery system, uh, it can cope with a high power demand. And yeah, as an intermediate solution, we can look at renewable carbon-based fuels. They're also a way to quickly decarbonize rapid traffic, and they are potentially a drop-in solution for existing diesel fleets.
0: So you're talking about potentially retrofitting your existing fleet? As
2: I said, it's not really a retrofit because it is seen as a drop-in solution. Most of the diesel vehicles can cope with these new types of fuels, HVO, hydrated, vegetable oils, or e-diesel. You don't necessarily have to change anything on the vehicle.
0: Great. I understand organizations like... FFI are looking at uh, ammonia for the, one of their locomotives on the rail link in, in WA to one of the mine sites. What's the kind of use case for ammonia?
2: It's good that you asked that question because Deutsche Bahn and Fortescue, we have a partnership in place. So we collaboratively develop these technologies because, as I said, hydrogen is interesting, but the range you can achieve is limited due to the volumetric energy density. And ammonia is a very interesting hydrogen carrier. So by using ammonia, you can store more hydrogen than in the compressed form. And together, FFI and Deutsche Bahn are currently testing a retrofitted diesel engine on a test lab in Germany, where we mix hydrogen and ammonia to a combustive gas, inject it into the engine and try to optimize the combustion process and there's still some exhaust emissions that are of concern so it's a carbon-free combustion which is great and so co2 is not a problem but there's still nitrous gases that can form but there's after treatment solutions that we are exploring and we are very convinced that this is going to be a zero emission solution in the future.
0: Fantastic. Aside from the areas that you've already mentioned what are some of the differences between how hydrogen trains are operated or maintained versus diesel locomotives?
1: The hydrogen fuel cell trains effectively have an electric drive system, so they're very similar to the existing catenary electric locomotives, so they're very low maintenance schedule and cost for the electric drive system. The difference comes in with the energy system, so battery, the need for battery replacements and uh, hydrogen fuel cell replacements, so the cost of maintaining those systems, even though it's probably relatively low hydrogen fuel cells, probably a little bit more intensive with inspecting of piping and joints and sort of thing. but uh...
2: Exactly. The safety of the system is, is most important because hydrogen is a highly combustible gas. Unfortunately, there is currently not sufficient data available because commercial hydrogen fleet operation has just started. And to decide whether or not hydrogen trains can provide lower cost of operation, we need more field data. Um, so that's currently an investigation. So these commercial fleets are being constantly monitored with diagnosis data and hopefully, let's say in a couple of years, we will have um, sufficient data to better estimate cost of maintenance.
0: From the discussions that we're having with H2Q, you get various speculation, perhaps a lot of these people aren't experts like you guys are and things like the maintenance or the legislation around the maintenance and the safety aspects, it needs to be outside but then kind of undercover. Is that a challenge for you guys at the moment,
1: the safety and standards around the um, and processes around the maintenance of hydrogen vehicles. So they're currently being reviewed and developed in Germany with the projects that DB is being involved with, and at the same time, sort of organisations in, in Australia who are investigating hydrogen technologies. They're also taking the, the first steps to understanding what the requirements are for the standards, the alignment of their operating procedures and technical specifications. So. Yes, there is work that needs to be done in aligning the standards to achieve the safety required for, uh, so there's no detriment to the current railway systems. You know, it's a work in progress, so things aren't going to happen overnight, but it's certainly the work being done in Australia is being done on the back of trial and, and development. It's being done elsewhere in the world, so Germany and the US, so which includes the development of specific facilities for the maintenance of hydrogen trains, which has detection and ventilation systems to make that process as safe as possible. But you're right in what you said, that in some instances at present, some of the trains are being maintained outside in the open air when the hydrogen system is being worked on. But I believe
2: it is the same transition that we had centuries ago, coming from coal as a main source, of energy in a rail vehicle, then transitioning to diesel, where everything thought, okay, this combustible liquid is very dangerous and new procedures had to be developed. And I think we are here in a similar scenario. So now we're transitioning from diesel, that we're very familiar with, to hydrogen, which is, for most of the people, very unknown, and the risk and hazards that come from hydrogen We all remember the accidents that happens with the, what's it called? The Hindenburg. Yeah, the Hindenburg. So, yeah, but Technology has significantly advanced and we have now, as Troy said, in maintenance facilities but also on board detection systems and safety systems in place that quickly can shut down the system in case of any failure.
1: Yeah, yeah we've undertaken these technology changes from steam to diesel, from diesel to electrification, so in going to electrification, we've introduced a new hazard so of, of being electrocuted. So not only can you get run over by a train, you can now get electrocuted from... <laughs> so, so it's a matter of being identifying the hazards, being aware and, and looking at ways to safely manage those hazards to reduce the risk introducing the technology to, I suppose, normalise the technology in the railway environment. Germany appears
0: to be leading the way when it comes to... Um decarbonization of the diesel fleets so what stage is the country up to and what's the plan from here
2: so currently in germany a few smaller fleets have been tested in commercial operation which is fantastic the first commercial operation with a larger fleet just started in december the trains are operated by db And there's another few public tender processes in place currently to procure additional fleets for different rural networks. They look at HEMUS or hydrogen electric multiple units and also at BMUS, battery electric multiple units. Main reason for that is that the German government is really pushing hard for the decarbonisation of the transport sector.
1: Yeah, so there's a net zero target of 2040 for Deutsche Bahn. So, yeah, so we follow
2: definitely the policies of our government. And since the government is our shareholder, we have to meet their targets and definitely DB wants to lead the way towards decarbonization.
0: Yeah, great. So early stage, I think you mentioned before the uh, recording, there are about 27 units that you got.
2: Yes, exactly. So 27 units currently being put into commercial operation near Frankfurt. It's the Taunus network, very challenging topology. However, that can be read in the news, the introduction of these trains didn't go uh, smoothly. The winter temperatures had some effect on the system's stability. However, we're working closely together with the train manufacturer to fix these faults. And hopefully, we can achieve a stable operation in the next couple of months.
1: Yeah, which is why we have test and commissioning processes and trial operations to gradually introduce new technologies, not just new technologies, but new rolling stock into the system so that we make sure that they are safe for operation and also able to provide the serviceability that's expected of vehicles operating on these systems. So it's yeah, it's always challenges with introducing any new technology and the time allowed for the testing, commissioning and trial operation that allows for investigation of any faults that may arrive. Yeah, may so arise. it helps that
0: with that iterative process of improvement. That's right. Yeah. That's so right. specifically, what was it with the, the weather that caused the issues?
2: So the cold temperatures have a significant influence on the fuel consumption. The expected range initially was not achieved due to the heating system on the train uses a lot of additional energy and then also the refueling process was a little bit difficult at lower temperatures. The controlling system had some issues. But yeah, we are working closely together with the railway industry, with the OEMs, to rectify the shortcomings and to come as quickly as possible into a stable operation.
0: Yeah, Great. What about some of the other projects that you're working on around the world? Are you able to share some of those? I think you mentioned in the US and Latin America.
1: Yeah. So within Australia, we're certainly providing introductory level of support, I suppose, providing up-to-date information to organisations looking to implement the technologies so we can either guide or validate some of the strategy technology decisions that they are considering. The follow-on steps for that is also understanding the Australian standards and how they view the introduction of hydrogen technologies into the rail environment. So within the Australian rail industry at the moment, it's very much informative process and validation process of, uh, so different organisations have different levels of understanding of the technology. So others, are, they understand that there's a need for decarbonisation. They understand that there are different technologies, but there's a limited understanding in how they start to take the first steps in introducing these technologies into their operations and the cost implications of that. So it's sort of no one wants to ask for too much money and sort of being able to justify something which... They perhaps are not as well informed as as they could be. So, and other work that we've done from Australia here has been a feasibility study for Vale in Brazil. So, looking at their iron ore operations, a route of 900 kilometres. So, initially, they were looking for an electrification solution. So, which we'd put together a combined battery and overhead electrification solution. So, as Daniel's indicated. So battery technologies have a limited range, but they can also be charged en route using overhead technology. So mm. it's, it's blending new technologies with proven technologies. So instead of electrifying that full 900 kilometre route, we are only needed to electrify 400 kilometres at strategic mm. locations to top up the battery charge. So, but also it's a resources here in Australia are active. On projects in Germany and in the US. Daniel sort of works German hours, sort of 10 p.m. Australia to midnight, but also in in the US. Daniel can explain more on projects.
2: Yeah, just on Vale, maybe also. So they realized that electrification poses a major challenge. So now they're looking, in addition to hydrogen options. So they're very open again to ammonia technology and have approached us. So that's very interesting that. After reviewing our piece of work, they now come to the same conclusion that for heavy haul, maybe other solutions are also feasible. In the United States, we support our team here from Australia to look at options for the Californian network to deploy hydrogen trains for their passenger services. It is a fantastic effort that's being done over there. In Germany, we've got the project currently ongoing H2GOS Rail which is a collaboration together with Siemens Group to develop a hydrogen ecosystem consisting of a novel hydrogen passenger train, a high-performance hydrogen refueling infrastructure that consists of an electrolyzer, a hydrogen storage and a high-performance hydrogen filling station, and also a hydrogen operation where we retrofit um, one of our depots, Deutsche Bahn depots, to be able to operate that train safely and to maintain it safely. So that whole ecosystem is currently being developed. The entire project started in November 2020, and hopefully will be finished in 2025. So it's a long stretch, but as Troy said before, it's very important that we look at all aspects of these new technologies, that it is safe, that we figure out all the different impacts on operating costs on CapEx, and that we design the system to be as competitive as possible compared to the current diesel.
0: And are you able to give that comparison at at the moment in terms of capex initially and then the total cost of ownership?
2: So I can't disclose that much, but definitely if you look at hydrogen trains currently for passenger operation, the capex are significantly higher, roughly two to three times of that of a diesel train, which makes it very challenging for the implementation. The second challenge definitely is Currently, the cost of fuel. So, hydrogen, green hydrogen, in particular produced in, in Germany, um, is very expensive because we have limited renewable energy to produce that hydrogen. So, in my opinion, Australia is in a fantastic situation, is very fortunate regarding renewable energy. Australia can play in the future a very significant role on the global energy market in providing green and clean hydrogen to the world. There's a trade agreement in place between Germany and Australia around hydrogen technology and supply of green hydrogen, which is very exciting. Last but not least, the last challenge is that hydrogen trains still have a limited range when compared to diesel trains. And to overcome that, we will need some advancements in regards to the system efficiency. If that can be increased, currently we look at roughly 42 to maximum 55%. Of a hydrogen um, hybrid system, and also we need some significant improvements regarding the storage of the hydrogen onboard storage on the vehicle.
0: Show sure, my ignorance here, but to get more range, is it not a case of just getting more storage on there?
2: If it would be that easy, that'd be fantastic. But unfortunately, the volumetric energy density of hydrogen is very low, so you have to compress it. Currently, the railway sector has agreed on a pressure of roughly 30 to 35 megapascal or 300 to 350 bars. If you compare the same size of a diesel tank and compressed hydrogen at this pressure that I mentioned, we're getting about 7% of the range. So just to give you an idea how much more storage you would have to put on a train to achieve the same range as with diesel currently. So that's currently not feasible, of course, so we have to find innovative solutions for hydrogen. Pressure vessels, usually they have to have a a certain shape. Nowadays they're round, but there's research going on to investigate if new materials can be found so that hydrogen tanks can be shaped in a different form so that they're easier to integrate in spaces in a rail vehicle and they don't necessarily have to be round and on the rooftop as it is today.
0: Yeah, fantastic. What about the recyclability and what happens with the existing fleet at the moment, how much of that can be kind of upcycled or reused and similarly with the new trains coming in, looking at that whole life cycle.
2: So retrofitting existing diesel vehicles with a hydrogen fuel cell hybrid system consisting of a fuel cell and a battery system is usually very challenging because the train was not built to be an electric vehicle. And the constraints are very challenging. So Therefore, in, in our opinion, if you look at current diesel vehicles that still have a significant lifespan and can be used for at least, let's say, two decades still, there's a different option that can be explored, hydrogen internal combustion engines or ammonia hydrogen internal combustion engines. So that would be an easy way to, I say easy, not very easy, but at least <laughs> an easier way to retrofit these vehicles just with a hydrogen or ammonia tank system, and then we need some engine modifications to allow for this new fuel to be combusted in the internal combustion engine. In general, when we look at these new components that go into a propulsion system, batteries and fuel cells, it remains to be seen how easily they can be recycled. Today, in every rolling stock has a lead-acid battery system as part of the train energy system. For these batteries, there is a whole recycling chain in place today. And I think if we transit to lithium-ion batteries and also to fuel cells, the same recycle chain has to be developed for these new battery cell chemistries and also for the fuel cells. And I think all OEMs that we are talking to are very open to that. So there's cashback system currently being discussed. So after a battery is not longer suitable, for example, for servicing a rail vehicle because we have a very volatile power demand that stresses the battery, then usually a manufacturer would take the battery system back and then provide it to a different application, for example, to a stationary battery system that can serve in the energy grid where the stress on the battery would be more moderate. And the same can be also be introduced for, for fuel cells. Once they have served their life in a vehicle, where they see lots of stresses, they can maybe also put in a second life application in stationary applications.
0: Yeah, great. We touched upon it before, but could you provide a bit more commentary around the, the regulations and the government policies for hydrogen in Australia? And have there been kind of any sticking points to move things forward over here?
1: I suppose the movement in the regulations to introduce hydrogen are probably still in the sort of early stages in development. So, and sort of understanding what the end-use applications are going to be, sort of more than just sort of production and export. So... The uh, regulations and standards associated with transport, both for small passenger vehicles and for trains, so there's there's still a lot of do- uh, development that needs to be done there, and continued refinement as well. So as soon as we get to the first step, there'll be an ongoing sort of process of review of how suitable is are these standards to what we're actually um, doing uh, with the technology in, in society. So it's the process is starting but still an ongoing process. So for the rail industry, there's certainly uh, greater involvement needed from uh, regulatory bodies like ONSA, the national regulator, included in the national rail uh, legislation as well. So,
2: And what we need, in my opinion, is also then some pilot projects so that they can actually see how these standards can be applied and showcase that this is something that's very viable already because Europe and the United States are currently doing it. So why not setting up similar projects here and explore these opportunities. Yeah,
1: there's a the first stage of development and, and aligning the projects with those standards and then looking at the outcomes from these projects and then once again aligning the standards with the outcomes of, of these trial projects.
0: Are there any other areas that we are not spoken about? Any other messages that you want to get out to the audience?
2: So in my opinion, it'd be fantastic to also see here in Australia to see the railway sector and the railway transport transiting towards zero emission. Currently, there is some effort can be seen, especially from the big mining companies. They have their iron ore trains or their coal trains, and they're definitely looking towards implementing new technology. I would be very much interested how these first pilot projects turn out. At the same time, I think what we need here also in Australia would be more government support, for these new technologies. When I compare that to Europe, there's huge funding opportunities in Europe and it is made very easy for operators and also for manufacturers to explore these new technologies and also to roll out new fleets because most of the governments are really supportive, put out huge grants. I miss that a little bit here in Australia. It'd be fantastic if state governments, territory governments, but also the federal government would invest more money in that sector and decarbonization technologies, in particular in hydrogen. As Troy said, it feels like Australia is very much focused on the production of hydrogen, on, on the export of hydrogen, but not very much on local application. And Deutsche Bahn will be a significant importer of green hydrogen in the future because you said it, we have 3,000 diesel vehicles that we need to decarbonize, and a significant share of that is going to be potentially propelled by hydrogen. So we will be only buying green hydrogen and green hydrogen for Deutsche Bahn is not only hydrogen that's being produced green, but also being transported green. So for example, if we produce hydrogen at a location here in Australia, it needs to be transported to the port and Australia does that by diesel train, it's not green anymore. So we need these local applications here and and that push towards decarbonized railway transport sector as well.
0: It seems like the momentum is slowly shifting but I completely uh, agree with you we need to move quickly and you know the legislation that came out of, out of the US for the Inflation Reduction Act and quickly followed by you know what's happening in Europe and Canada Australia needs to move quick to take advantage of the the abundance of green or renewable energy the sun and and the wind that we've got over here some of the Contracts, I mean, if we're going to go down the same route for the long-term contracts like we have done with LNG, the sort of 10 to 15 years contract, if Australia doesn't act quickly, those long-term contracts could be tied up with contracts from organisations out of the US and out of Europe, out of Canada, that are able to supply that hydrogen much more cheaply than Australia.
1: Yeah, there's certainly the motivations of these other countries is certainly amplified by the budgetary support that they're getting for the energy transition. So the aspiration is there from Australia, but there's not necessarily the budgetary support either in the production or the end-use applications to decarbonise not just transport but also other sectors as well. So investment in renewable energy projects to decarbonise the electricity grid supports the overall decarbonisation of society, but the parts of the transport sector that aren't connected to the electricity grid, then there's still support needed there to promote the transition to achieve both the, the midterm target of 2030, 43% reduction and net zero by 2050.
2: But I totally agree, Andy. Lots of other countries currently seem to move quickly. If you look at Chile, how quickly they develop renewable energy projects and how keen they are to produce hydrogen and renewable fuels. Brazil is also very much on the same page. They want to move quickly. If Australia is not also moving towards the development of this particular sector as quickly as possible, big contracts will be signed and will be lost for Australia. So I think uh, there's a great opportunity here for Australia. We as Deutsche Bahn are keen to collaborate with Australia, um, with companies here such as Fortescue in Australia, and also to work with the government sector to establish that relationship. Because Australia has one big advantage. It is a very stable, politically stable country, very reliable, and that's also important because if we currently look what's going on in Europe, uh, the challenges for Germany in particular uh, to get the fossil fuel because of that terrible war. So it's very important to have reliable partners in the future for sourcing that green energy in particular in the form of hydrogen and ammonia.
0: Yeah, r- really good point. Uh, if we're looking forward, just to put you guys on the spot, where do you see the sector in five years from now and then from 10 years from now? And perhaps we could just focus on the rail sector in
1: Australia? Yeah, certainly in five years, we would like to be at, at least at the trial implement stage of implementation stage of introducing hydrogen technologies in in the rail sector, so whether that be as a fuel cell or ammonia combustion. So there's certainly opportunities in the freight sector and the mining sector who seem to be more motivated to be involved in these projects, but also benefiting the passenger commuters as well. So replacing some of the diesel passenger trains with hydrogen fuel cell trains. would be good to be at trial implementation stage there in five years.
2: And and. DB Engineering and Consulting would be very happy, of course, um, to share, gain knowledge from our pilot projects and the commercial operations that we have currently ongoing in Germany and Europe, and to help to avoid, to make similar mistakes, maybe we discovered during our pilot projects. So That'd be fantastic if we can be involved and can share.
1: Um, yeah, so to demystify and de-risk the decarbonisation journey. So sort of learning from implementation experience in, in Germany and how do we approach the implementation of these technologies here in Australia, relying on the knowledge and skills and experience of those who have implemented the technology.
0: And um, what's the best way for listeners to potentially learn more, reach out, find out what you guys are up to?
1: We're quite active on LinkedIn, sort of promoting any sort of significant changes. So I think 2 Goes Rail has its own website as well as well as the Deutsche Bahn website, so Deutsche Bahn Engineering Consulting or ensuring Consulting Operations websites promoting projects that we're directly involved in, as well as other projects include the decarbonisation projects. That's great,
0: and we'll get the links
1: in the show notes. Um,
0: Thanks so much for your time, guys. Really appreciate it. Hopefully, listeners, I'm sure the listeners will have enjoyed the depth of the conversation that we had there, so thank you very much, and I wish you all the best with your hydrogen endeavours. Thank you,
2: Andy, for having us and inviting us. It was a pleasure to meet you. Yeah,
1: thanks very
0: much, Andy. Cheers. I'm Andy Marsland. Hope you enjoyed the show. Thanks for joining us on the hydrogen journey. We welcome you to join us at our next episode. Please remember to subscribe and review the show and hope to see you next time.